and we are thankful for it. I will invite your attention uh, this morning in the word of the Lord to the book of Song of Solomon, the book of Song of Solomon. And we're going to read just a a few verses of scripture from uh, this great book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, chapter 8. We're going to read from the 8th chapter. Uh, This is one of the books of poetry. Of course, it is the one of the three books that Solomon wrote, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, chapter 8, and uh, beginning with verse 5. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I raised thee up under the apple tree, there thy mother brought thee forth, there she brought thee forth that bare thee. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. And I would like to speak for just a few moments this morning on this subject, love and death. Love and death. Could we lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today? God, I thank you for your word. We're we're, we're, we're unable to live without the clarity and the closeness of your word. And I pray that you will speak to us and help us to know you, to draw closer to you, give us strength today. I pray that you will give strength to every person that is gathered in this place. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all of the honor. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. And we pray for the anointing of God to rest upon the preaching of your word today. Your word is already anointed. But we pray that as it is preached, it will have a special anointing for those of us who need to hear and receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. In this book of Solomon's song, this is a song that Solomon writes, and it is symbolic of the love that God has for his people. It is a love story, and it is a, an accounting of God's love for his bride. And so the poetry of it is very descriptive, and, and, uh, and it is, it is a, a careful uh, detailing of the strong feeling that God has for his people. And it used metaphors, it uses allegories and analogies to to help us understand the rich love that God shares with his bride. And it is in that context that we arrive at Song of Solomon chapter 8. And the fifth through seventh verses that I've read. And it, it is the Lord saying here to his bride... Set me as a seal upon thine heart. Set me as a seal upon thine arm. I want to be a seal upon your heart and upon your arm. Now, what he's telling her here, what he's saying to his bride is that I want your heart for me. And I want to be upon your arm. Because I want everybody to know that your heart belongs to me. So we see both an internal and an external sign and seal of the bride of Christ that she belongs to him. And the Lord is saying, I want this seal, me, I want me to be the seal that, that, that absolutely guards your heart. And I want it to be upon your arm as well. So that not only will people be able to look upon you, your arm, and know you belong to me, but I want you to actually belong to me. I want it to be something that is in your heart. 
And I want it to seal you. I want to be the seal. I want all others to be locked out of this relationship that you and I share together. And, and so it was that language that the Lord used to tell his people, his bride, to establish me as the closure, the seal, the guard of your heart. And then he began to explain. He said, because it has to be this way because love is strong. It is so strong. And he said, if I were to tell you how strong it is, I I would tell you it this way. Love is strong as death. Then he said this, he said, jealousy is cruel. I, I, I need, I need your heart to be guarded because love is strong and because jealousy is cruel. I need people to be able to look upon you and know without the shadow of a doubt, you belong to me. Because love is so strong and jealousy is so cruel. And to illustrate the cruelty of jealousy, to to drive home that indelible knowledge that, that jealousy is as cruel as it can be, he, he reached for the most extreme example he could find and said, jealousy, you want to know how cruel jealousy really is? Jealousy is cruel as the grave. He reached for the place that we can all relate to. Jealousy being cruel is one thing, but when but God, when you begin to detail just how cruel jealousy is by bringing up something all humanity can relate to, something that has been so cruel to every person. Now we really do get the picture and understand what it is you're trying to tell us just how cruel jealousy is. It is as cruel as the grave. There's nothing more cruel, ladies and gentlemen, than the grave. And that's what the Lord wanted us to understand. Yeah, jealousy is cruel. It's cruel like the grave. And as I'm, as I'm saying this, you in your own mind are already contemplating because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to love somebody you cannot be with. You know what it's like to love somebody, but you cannot share time with them. They are no longer with you. He, he said that same sense of loss that you get from the grave, when the grave rips a loved one from your grasp, from your life, that is the same sense that comes over me in jealousy and If you've ever dealt with that, you know too that that is such a cruel thing in life. For your heart to be wholly given to someone who has given their heart to another. And this jealousy has a cruelty that can can be unyielding and unrelenting. And this was the analogy that God used to describe the deep emotion that he has for his people You have to set me as a seal upon your heart. You have to set me as a seal upon your arm because my love for you is so strong. It is strong as death. And my jealousy over you, I I, I think we need to know that God is jealous over us. Somebody said, how can God be jealous when he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the earth is his and he binds up the waters in his garment and, and he, he, he has all that he could ever want. You, you need to understand, he's not envious of anybody. No, it's a, it's a godly jealousy and the godly jealousy isn't him wanting some material gain. It is him knowing the love that he has for you and you rejecting that love and giving your devotion to someone who could never love you like he does. That's the jealousy of God. 
and, and it's a strong and it's a jealousy and it's so strong that that love is strong as death and that jealousy is cruel as the grave. And, and, and he, not only is he illustrating the, 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 the depth of his jealousy, but he's illustrating the cruelty of the grave when searching what he could possibly describe as being cruel. He did not seek for some, some kind of a, of an entity that comes and goes, but no, he pulled out what we can all understand, the grave, that robber, that thief, that one that comes and takes love away from us, relationship away from us, people away from us. And even in this place, there reverberate the sounds of voices of those who paved the way for us to be here but are no longer with us because of the fact that the grave is just simply so cruel. And that cruelty is something that is hard to define, but it exists. Proverbs chapter 30 and verses 15 and 16, Solomon again in describing the words of uh, Augur, he said this, he said that the horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give, and three things are never satisfied, yea, four will never say it is enough. And the four that never say it is enough, they are the barren womb. The barren womb is unable to be satisfied by anything but a child. The barren womb is not satisfied. The earth that is not filled with water, the earth is never satisfied. The fire is never satisfied. The fire is something that consumes and consumes and nothing will satisfy it. It's just going to keep on spreading. And then he said, the grave is never satisfied. Again, like the fire, it just keeps consuming. Like the earth that's not filled with water, it's like it can never get enough. Like the barren womb, it's that it, it won't be happy until it drags everybody down into its snarl and snare. It's a cruel thing, this thing called the grave. And in the word of God, throughout history, we read of its rampage through time. We read of how it is stomped through the history of mankind, plucking up whole generations of people without any regard to what their plans were, without any regard to what their ideas were, didn't care what their accomplishments were. The grave is just never satisfied. Young, old, didn't matter. Didn't matter what the promise they had in life was and what they were looking forward to. The grave just indiscriminately was cruel to all of humanity. And, and the Bible gives us this understanding. And, and the Bible tells us that people feared death. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 that they were all their lifetime subject to bondage because they feared death. And I will tell you today that there is bondage in fearing death. And there is a close connection between fear and death. Fear acts as an agent of death and death acts as the enforcer of fear and fears have their root system in the whole context of death and there are many different fears that people have you may have some of them yourself you may have heard of them one fear is claustrophobia anybody ever heard of claustrophobia claustrophobia is the fear of enclosed spaces some people can't even get a, a test done that requires that they be put into a tube and and have videography and pic pictures taken of themselves and tests done because they cannot be in that enclosed space it is claustrophobia there's agoraphobia and agoraphobia is the fear of wide open spaces it's a totally different fear but some people like to have a little enclosure have some parameters, some boundaries. They don't like the wide open spaces. There is arachnophobia. I sound like somebody might have that up in here today. Might be a little arachnophobia we need to help people with. And, and uh, you, you won't know if you have that for sure until you see something on the floor. 
and, uh, and, and maybe it's on the floor and you go to stomp on it and it jumps on the wall. Now, if it can jump and fly, that's a whole other level of, that's a perfectly justifiable phobia. God understands that phobia. And, and arachnophobia is, of course, the fear of spiders. Then there is the, the, the matter of acrophobia and acrophobia is the fear of heights. It's where we get acrobat, acrophobia. And, and I mean, these people have trouble climbing ladders. They have trouble looking over balconies. They have trouble, uh, they have trouble climbing onto roofs. And I can't imagine anybody having this fear. I mean, come on, you get a grip. Acrophobia, fear of heights. I'm just glad this platform's not any higher than what it is. There's acrophobia, there's agoraphobia, there's arachnophobia, there's claustrophobia, there's aerophobia. Aerophobia is the fear of flying. It's, people have a fear of flying in airplanes and it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate phobia and they just, they cannot reconcile how in the world they're getting off the ground and into the air and, and why and how in the world that's a safe proposition. And so aerophobia is a, is a real thing. But all of these phobias have a connection to the idea of death. It's not simply a fear of flying, it's a fear of flying and then all of a sudden not flying suddenly. It's a fear of not just heights, it's a fear of being high and being brought low with, with dramatic force. It's not just a fear of, of spiders, it's a fear that that spider's got teeth you can't see and venom you can't understand and it's 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 not just in closed spaces it's it's the feeling that I'll never get out of here and and wide open spaces there's nothing to protect me it's it's a really it's a fear of death and fear and death work hand in hand there's another phobia called uh hippopotamonstrosacupedeliaphobia Now, I see some of you have your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and you're waiting for an interpretation, but that's, that's an actual word, and it means fear of long words. That's what it means. And I'm not afraid of long words, because I practice all weekend to pronounce that word. Hallelujah. I used to be afraid of long words, but God delivered me over the last couple days. And I don't know if that word, you know, I don't know if that phobia has any connection to, to, to death. You know, if you get into a, a, a long word you can't get out of, sometimes you just want to crawl in a hole. But, but fear and death go hand in hand, and, and, and death acts as the enforcer of fear. Fear is one thing, and you, you may feel emboldened to take on fear, to fight fear. But, but in the background is this surly, angry enforcer reminding you that its presence can be felt. And it has a track record of taking people down. And death is like that. It is surly and it is angry. And it is, it is a product of the disobedience of man and it is the product of the sin of man and it came into the world as man disobeyed God and sinned and God warned man do not sin do not disobey do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the hour that you eat of this tree death will come upon you and death was never supposed to be a part of our human experience it has become a natural and normal part of our human experience, but it is a part of our fallen nature. It is not a part of God's divine nature. In Him, there is no death at all. In Him, there is no expiration. In Him, there is no parting. In Him, there is no dying. Oh, I feel His presence already. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. No more dying there. 
No more crying there. No more pain. No more heartache. No more, no more, no more cancer. No more leukemia. No more diabetes. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. See, the fact of the matter is death has acted like a bully throughout time. And it didn't matter how powerful the person, death could bring them down. It didn't matter what they achieved, death could bring them down. It didn't matter if all humanity protested, death could bring them down. It didn't matter how, how strong they were at one time, death could bring them down. But I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't just come to preach to you about death. My title is not death. My title is love and death. Because Solomon said there is something that has power over death. I know that death has just worked its will through human history. I know that death has wreaked havoc in hospitals across our nation. I know death has awakened one parent after another in the middle of the night with the most terrifying news they could ever hear. But I've not come to glorify death. I've come to tell you about that power that is victorious over death. Because the Bible says there is a match that can take death down. Solomon said love is strong as death. Death may be surly. Death may be in the background. Death may be in the background of your mind right now. Maybe you're facing tests. Maybe you're developing symptoms. Maybe you have a loved one you're concerned about. And death is just in the back of your mind. But love is strong as death. And love has conquered death. Hallelujah. I said love has conquered death. The Bible says that death reigned. Death reigned. Death was king. Death had authority. Death did as it wanted in the earth. Death was everywhere. Death reigned from Adam and all through the book of Genesis, death just, just through its sickle. The grim reaper marched through the pages of those ancient histories. And one person after another fell to its cruelty. And death reigned from Adam to Moses. And something happened with Moses where God called him into Mount Sinai. And said, the cry of my people has come up before my ears. I have heard their cry by reason of their bondage. Hallelujah. Their affliction is in my sight. I see what they're going through. And I hear them calling for help. And help is on the way. You're going back into Egypt and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Ah, when it's all said and done, there's going to come a night. There's going to come a night where death is going to come through that nation like it has come through nations in the past. It's going to come in swinging its club wildly. It's going to come in laughing and sneering and snarling. But I'm going to give you instructions on how to overcome death. I'm going to give you instructions on how to outsmart death. Because death may feel like a free wielding power. But there is a power over death. What death cannot conquer is the love of God. I want you to take a lamb. I want you to slay the lamb. I want you to take the blood of the lamb and I want you to paint it upon the blood, the doorposts of the home. And when death comes walking through Egypt, hallelujah, death will have to pass over every home that has the blood of the lamb painted upon the doorpost. 
Let me tell you something. They weren't just looking at the blood of a lamb. They were looking at the blood of the lamb. And they were looking at the love of God. We're not just talking about his blood. His blood represents his love. And his love has power over death. Glory to God. They lived that night. Death was at a loss. Death lost its power that night. Something shifted in the, in the authority of death. Death was used to doing whatever it wanted to do to whomever it decided to do it. But that night something shifted. The Lord of glory said, I love my people. And my love for my people is stronger than death's ability to extinguish their life. And God lifted Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, took them through the Red Sea, delivered them eventually into the land of promise according to their faith. And all of it was symbolic of a day when God himself would come down to earth in the form of a man and would take upon himself the form of a servant. Hallelujah. And he would be that lamb that Moses slew on that night of Passover. And that blood that Jesus shed on that cross would have the power over death, over hell, over the grave. That blood would have the power to push death back on its heels. There was an ongoing dialogue between the love of God and death throughout the Old Testament. In one place through the prophet Hosea, the Lord said to death, Death, I will be your plagues. I will be your plagues. That was significant language because death had been plagues to a lot of people. Death had been plagues of sickness that nobody could describe. Epidemics and pandemics and people dying. Whole, whole swaths of people. Civilizations wiped out. Nations and cities wiped out. Death had been plagues to many people. But the love of God stepped into the picture and came up to the bully of humanity and said I am not afraid of you the love of God said I will be to you what you have been to mankind I am going to torment you the way you have tormented them I'm going to be your place death I'm going to be your sickness I'm bringing you all the way down I'm going to tell you, it's kind of like Europe felt when Adolf Hitler was just marching into one country after another, taking leadership, marching to capitals and removing leadership and taking control of whole nations. And he was going to do it to all of Europe until Winston Churchill said, you're not going to do it here. We're going to fight in the seas. We're going to fight on land. We're going to fight you in the air. We're going to fight you wherever we have to fight you. But we're going to do to you what you've been doing to everybody around here. That's what the love of God did. He came up to death. The love of God said, you are not going to push my people around. That's why when we have a funeral of a saint of God, we shout, we rejoice, we give God the praise. We're not weird. We have the victory. Death isn't what it used to be. He said, I will be your plagues. Death, I will be your demise. I've got my eyes on you. And he started to speak through his holy prophets. He told Ezekiel, he said, I want to take you to a valley of dry bones. And I want you to prophesy to those bones. And the bones come together in the vision of the Lord. And I want you to prophesy to the wind. And the wind began to blow into those bones. Hallelujah. God was letting death know. I'm gathering up the people of my name that you 
you thought you decimated and left in the grave. I'm going to bring them up out of the grave. And they're going to live forever. Arise and shine, for thy light is come. Though darkness cover the earth, Sister Jemison, though gross darkness cover the people, the light of God will shine upon thee. God spoke through his holy prophets and let them know through the prophet Zechariah. He said that there shall be light in the evening time. There shall be light in the evening time. That's important because when evening time comes, that's when the sun begins to go down. That's when darkness begins to cover the earth. That's when things get depressive and oppressive and things start lurking in the night. When the evening time comes... The wolves come out. When the evening time comes, the owls start to hoot eerily in the night sky. When evening time comes, all of the critters that are afraid of being exposed begin to lurk in the night air. But in that day, there shall be light in the evening time. I want you to know there's light right now. It said there's light right now. It doesn't matter how dark it is in your circumstances. It's light right now. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. But when God told Moses to paint the blood over the doorpost, that was God pounding on death's door saying there's a new sheriff in town when God told Moses how to build a tabernacle and to put a brazen altar there and a labor of water and a table of showbread and an altar of incense and a holy veil and a holiest of all places and and that this was a place where sins could be atoned that was him telling death your reign is over And it was a slow demise. First death was removed as king, but he was still there. He was still present, but he was no longer king. Then God said, I will be your plagues. And now he's on the run. He's a king in exile. He's he's on the run and, and God is on his trail. But I want you to know that when God, hallelujah, became a man, glory to God, and lived the life of obedience... Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you why death couldn't reign past Moses. Because God gave Moses something called the law. And the law proved two things. One, there is a way. There is a way to live holy enough that you can overcome death. Because the only thing that gives death power is sin. And the law gave us a perfect, perfect model for if you live this way, you overcome death. That was the first thing it proved. The second thing it proved is that none of us can do it because we're flawed by death and we're flawed by fear of death and we're flawed by sin and we're flawed by transgression and death has its way in our life because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that knowledge was simply a schoolmaster that would lead us unto Christ because Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And this God of ours, this creator, this maker of heaven and earth became a man like us. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. I'm going to preach the gospel to you till you repent of all your sins. I'm going to preach the gospel to you till you let me baptize you in Jesus name. I'm going to preach the gospel to you till you throw your hands up and say, Lord, have mercy. And he fills you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hey, we're celebrating our independence in two days. We thank God for a nation that has religious freedom. We may have our flaws, but we've got religious freedom. And we thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you, us preaching the gospel has nothing to do with our religious freedom. If it ever becomes criminal to preach the gospel, you'll just have to throw us in jail. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We don't 
marks of iniquity calendar dates where sins had been committed but when that body of that God manifests in flesh that human body made of a woman made under the law came down into that assembly line of death I can see death examining his body that big surly enforcer of fear examining the body I can't find any mark of death hell looking on this side grave looking on this side I can just imagine Jesus laying there and when they get all done and don't know what to do I bet you he winked at them just kind of a I got this I got this keep on looking you'll never find it you'll find no fault in him you'll find no sin in him you'll find no transgression you'll find no iniquity it was the love of God that kept him pure it was his love for his people that made him obedient unto death his love qualified him because his love made him obedient this is the love of God that we keep his commandments it was the love of God that kept Jesus pure from all sin so that when he went to the cross he didn't go as a flawed man he went as the spotless lamb of God now death has lost control of the first fruits once the first fruits come forth it's just a matter of time the rest of the harvest is coming right now death is in a free fall it's under attack the plagues of God are on it hallelujah he lost control of the first fruits of the resurrection he's been removed from his power as king way back when but he's still hanging around still trying to torment people but his time is running short <laughs> let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen behold I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruptible shall put on incorruption. Then, woo, then, not yet, but 
man. Death is swallowed up in victory. Hey, I got a question for you today. Oh, death, where is thy sting? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ, 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 the dead in Christ shall rise. And we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord there's coming a day where no parting shall come no more tears to fill the eye Woo! hallelujah hallelujah what a day what a day what a day, what a day that will be. Temptations, hidden snares, often take us unaware. Our hearts are made to bleed with each thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test, when we try to do our best, but we'll understand it better. By and by. troubles and say by and by somebody look at your trials and say a bye bye and a bye bye Woo! when the morning comes when all the saints of God are gathering home we're going to tell the story tell the story Some of you are waiting for the music to start, but the music is already in you. Amazing. 
44 years old two weeks ago. I want to tell you I was 41, but talking about eternity got me under conviction. I'm 44. Don't want to end up where all liars go, so I tell you the truth. Amen. Sometimes I want to praise him like I did when I was 16. Sometimes I just want to let it go and praise him like I did when I was 20 years old. And I'm going to, y'all. I'm going to. If I go up to glory while I'm doing it, I'm going to praise him any way that I can. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Praise him while you can. Praise him while you can. Come on, somebody. It's time to live in the light of God. It's time to live in the everlasting life of his spirit. I rebuke the heaviness off of you. I rebuke depression off of you. I rebuke sadness and sorrow. in the house. Come on, I need some dancers that can pick the feet up and put them down. Come on, I need some dancers. Come on. Young people, come on. Come on, young people. If you you can't dance, clap your hands. Lift your voice. Praise His name. Thank you for His love.
talking and my wife and I said there's a lot of songs today about graves and about get up get up get up get up out of that grave and a lot of songs about running out of my grave clothes and, and a lot of songs about graves and we asked our kids we said why are there so many songs about graves in today's new worship music it they didn't bat an eye they said because our generation is stricken with death culture and the spirit of the lord is telling our generation get up out of that grave you to live life together and I want you to pray together 